You're now listening to The Electrical Current, a podcast series brought to you by the independent electrical contractors. Welcome to the third season of the IEC National Podcast Series, The Electrical Current. I'm your host for the show, IEC National CEO, Spencer Vilwalk. During this podcast series, we'll talk with folks throughout America that help to make the electrical and systems contracting industry truly great. Today, our featured guest is Larry Ayer. Larry is the Vice President at Bizcom Electric in Cincinnati, Ohio. Larry has been in the industry for a great number of years, and he's been very active within advancing our industry as a whole over that time including within his work um, at the IEC National Codes and Standards Committee and with the NFPA and in code-making panels for the NEC, our National Electric Code. This year, Larry earned the prestigious and critical role within the group. He was appointed by the NFPA as the chair of the correlating committee within the code-making process. So here's to a great conversation for all you code gurus and industry leaders out there. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome a great friend and steadfast leader within the industry to our IEC National Podcast today, Mr. Larry Ayer. Welcome, Larry. Hey, thanks, Spencer. Man, I really enjoyed it. That was good. That was a good intro. (laughs) Hey, you've earned it, buddy. You've earned it. Um, (laughs) How are things? How are things? How have you been? Uh, doing good, doing yep. good. Uh, things are busy, uh, you know, it's uh, going through this pandemic, um, yep. but whereby I think we're all making it through and uh, staying safe, and uh, yeah. I am sure that we are one day closer to, to being over with this and uh, moving forward, but Amen. no, I think we're uh, everybody's doing good. Terrific, terrific. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, well, again, I thank you for, for taking time to chat with uh, myself and, and share back uh, uh, our conversation with the IEC community here today. But um, I, I'd like to first start, um, you know, thinking way back and, and talk a little bit about um, if you could share with me um, you know, where, where you grew up and um, kind of help to lead us on the pathway of, of how you got into the industry and, and uh, into the position you're in today. Well, sure. Um, you know, it's funny. My my father was uh, he was an electrical contractor. Um, you know, like a lot of us, that grew up that grew up in uh, family businesses, yeah, yeah, and things like that. And uh, you know, I grew up, um, you know, in, in the um, you know in the eighties with uh, helping out my father. You know, I went to college and and got an engineering degree, but I also helped out. You know, in the in the warehouse, helping him out, and, yeah, and learning how to estimate and doing things like that, and. Uh, so, yeah, he was a uh, union contractor, so I, I learned some of those things, uh-huh. some of those uh, uh, traits and skills from him. And then um, soon thereafter, uh, a part um, uh, company was set up to help, um, you know, a, an open shop yeah. that was, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of companies in the 80s kind of, you know, transitioned from union to uh, the merit shop philosophy. You bet. And so that's where I started to um, develop after I got out of college. And so, you know, we've, we've been doing that since... Uh, about 1989, and mm-hmm. and so it's been a great run. We've had about uh, you know we, we um, do a lot of different things in Cincinnati, and what one of the other things I did was as as part of being my engineering uh, background, I, I was also able to start an engineering firm that also does a lot of like um, mechanical electrical design. Mm-hmm. I started that in about 1996, so yeah. that's been doing real well as as, uh, as well. So uh, you know, and, and and so it helps me understand both sides of the fence. I uh, understand the construction part as well as understanding the engineering. So I think they complement each other and uh, help me uh, get get to where I am today. Absolutely, absolutely. And and so the family business um, was there in the, the greater Cincy area, is that right? 
Yeah, it's yeah. in the greater Cincinnati area. Yeah, and so, um, huh. well, you know, uh, they did a lot of large projects and uh, yeah. gave me a good background on uh, on, on what the industry is about. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, something that we we share in common too. If yeah, I grew up in the in the uh, the family business and in, in, in the construction industry as well, so I can definitely relate. Um, and then I I also hail from. I'm not sure if we've ever talked about it, Larry, but I I grew up in Iowa, um, so also a, a Midwesterner um, at heart. Um, so so understand yeah completely you know that that piece. Um, so when and tell me a little bit about your your engineering pathway too and and um, where'd you go to school and and is it electrical engineering or or mechanical or what what you end up getting? Yeah, uh, I got an electrical engineering degree mm-hmm. uh, from uh, at the University of Cincinnati. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you know one of, one of the things I think that uh, I always um, uh, kid around about it, but you know sometimes I think that uh, you know for a lot of us I think college is really not not meant up meant yeah. for the 18 to 22 year old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I, I got out of there, um, struggled, pushed through it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, about uh, two or three years ago, I finished up with a master's degree, um, uh, from the university of Idaho oh, awesome. uh, in electrical engineering. And I'll tell I, I always think though, that the, I kind of sometimes think about those things that you do later on in life in education are probably sometimes more valuable absolutely. than what you do when you're 18 to 22. A- absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I, I, I respect that a lot more, I think. And, uh, to me, it's more valuable what I did as I, as I think when you learn, as you get older, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it, I think you can take that with you a little bit more and more, you're more in tune with it. You bet. And, um, you so bet. it helps you out. Yep. 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 Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, uh, that's and, and you know because it's it when it's later in life it, it's more of the path that you choose um, and you see you also have much more worldly experience to understand the questions to ask the the direct applicability to your career um, in in a much different way than than when you were younger and it was more the the uh, in some ways the socially expected pathway right you know to to go on right. to, to higher education which then your your critical thought process and the applicability to to life uh, is only limited to your experience at that point and and as younger people we just don't have as much even though we think that we're invincible uh, when we're young and know everything um, we don't we don't <laughs> so absolutely yeah yep. yeah well well congratulations that's that's great for you and, and going back um, after a number of years and getting your master's degree too that's so cool that's great. Um, but yeah. so University of Idaho is that that was the the, the um, for your master's degree is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and cool. uh, you know people might and, and, you know in this yeah. country there's not many there's really not many uh, colleges that really right. geared towards power. Right, uh, a lot of these schools are geared towards electronics, and uh, that I really um, you know really enjoyed the people out there and, and stuff like that, and, and the the way they they teach, and, and so yeah. I'm really um thankful for the for their what that their program so cool so cool well that's great that's great and i, and I can tell that as, as what you shared too you know having that perspective of, of a, an engineer's mind as well as then the the you know all the the um the ins and outs of working in uh construction and electrical construction industry it, it benefits you and has benefited the company in in so many different ways that's great yep. um, 
Yep, absolutely. Cool. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about um, code making process, if, if we could. And, and um, you know, we've got a lot of folks here in the industry that are, are going to be listening in, and some are very familiar, you know, with, with uh, the intricacies of, of um, what the code making process looks like. Um, but I, I, you know, know that, that there are a lot of folks that, that uh, have no clue as to, um, you know, the methodology and the process that, that kind of uh, happens. Right now, you and I are talking here in, in December of 2020. We just had a, a new code rollout, but you guys are already thinking about 2023 and, and started along that process. So I'm, I'm hoping you might be able to give us a little bit of a, um, you know, some paint, paint strokes on, um, you know, what, what the code making process looks like. So, um, so folks can have a, a greater understanding as, as to, uh, you know, that, that, that approach. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's really kind of a unique process that, you know, people might understand, but the things that are done in this country, as far as a lot of the regulations and requirements that you see mm-hmm. when you go build a, a building, whether it's a commercial or residential environment, right. um, a lot of those things are done by a consensus process right. where a bunch of people are just sitting down a room, around a, a room, yep. and these are people that are inspectors. They might be engineers. They might be people that represent uh, you know, different in- parts of the industry, the plastics industry. They represent the metal industry. Um, they might be um, you know, just a whole host of people. They, people that represent open shop contractors, people that represent uh, union shop contractors. And so you get a whole mix of people that sit around a table and help to write the requirements that, that go into our buildings and, and into our regulations across this country. Right. And so uh, what you'll see is um, typically it's, a, it's kind of a four-step process. Mm-hmm. So people, what happens is people will submit public inputs. They will submit um, things that maybe have happened out there that they, maybe someone had a fatality. Mm. Um, you know, you might see these something that's simple that is in our code today where GFCI requirements are for vending machines. Mm-hmm. It, it might be something simple as that where someone, they had a string of fatalities and the Consumer Product Safety Commission might say, hey, I need you to look into this. How do we make this safer? Mm-hmm. And so, so the, you might get some of those things. You might get some other things that are editorial. Say, hey, this doesn't read right. Um, you might get some things that are new safety products that came out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that you submit these public inputs, and the, NE, the uh, NEC is the largest uh, standard. It's the flagship standard mm-hmm. in the NFPA right. world. And they submit uh, about 4,000 of these public inputs come in, mm. and they get divvied, divvied up among 18 code panels. Mm-hmm. Those 18 code panels then sit down and, and, and go through them and review them, and then they make recommendations. They uh, keep the ones they like and throw out the ones they don't. And then the second round, you have a chance to come back and say, well, you know, you threw mine out, but can we look at that again because I think you made a mistake. Right, right. And so that goes through that process. And then you go to, uh, after you get done with that, um, most of that stuff is already then will make it into the following code. But you, you, you also have an annual meeting where everybody can go there and have one more say mm-hmm. and say, hey, I don't think you did it right. And then there's a, finally an appeals process. So there's really four bites of the apple right. to say, hey, you know, I'd like to get something changed in the NEC. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Um, very educational, very educational Absolutely. process. I've, I've been doing this probably since 2004, yeah. 2005 time period, so the last 15, 16 years. And it's helped me tremendously grow as a contractor, uh, just um, to be able to impart um, knowledge to some of my guys, uh, to be able to understand and work with the inspectors better, uh, just to understand how the thing is put together 
and understand why the rules are what they are. Absolutely, absolutely. And that it, you know, I, I've I've witnessed some of the consensus process as well, and it it is it's it's magic. <laughs> it's it's really it's really um you know a lot of what our our country was founded upon around you know democratic principles to be able to then work together towards common goals, but yet coming from a variety of different perspectives, you know, and, 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 um, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. And it's, and it's one of the things too, it's like, you know, you never really realize it. And as you get older, you think, you know, this is a mini government. It, it is. really is. It is. A, you know, yeah. you, you, you can't get everything you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, you try to work with others, mm-hmm. uh, to say, Hey, I really like to get this passed. I'd like to get this changed. Um, you know, sometimes you, people argue against you with, you know, all kind of weird uh, arguments yep. and, uh, you know, that you think might not be rational, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a political process just like the United States government. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and, and people representing, as you mentioned, you know, that you have, you have contractors in the room, you have, um, you know, uh, union contractors, non-union contractors, you have um, inspectors, you have, um, um, you know, other representative organizations that are out there, including, and, and as well as manufacturers. And so it really is the industry coming together to kind of wade through um, how we keep people safe, uh, but but how we also recognize, you know, current uh, methodology on on code, um, current you know demands on and uh, new products that are coming into the workplace or in, into the our work our workplace, you know, into the built environment, um, and and it's, so it's it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm I'm curious. You you mentioned too, like you know, when when uh, when kind of you know, there's there's the, the difference of opinion are. Um, you know, not going into you know any detail of, of you know who, what, when, where, why, but I'm I'm curious if you could just share a little bit of uh, you know some of the oh the the contention or or any of the you know just just how how a code panel goes to resolve an issue that arises where you're working towards that consensus. Um, you know, can you can you describe a little bit about you know that that uh, that process of how you get to consensus when there's you know, a, uh, someone with a, a much differing, further differing view or, or um, you know, or, or information that, that's kind of, you know, coming, coming a bit askew. Yeah. And I think it's something, I, I think it's, um, you know, just as, as it's a journey as you, as you get older, you know, yeah. the, the longer you do it, um, the more educated you get and, yeah. and the easier it is to get things through. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, since I first started, uh, you know, being a newbie in, in 2004, 2005, um, you know, I was pretty wet behind the years and, uh, you know, I, I kind of jumped in, um, it might, might've taken me, uh, you know, sometimes it takes you, um, a, you know, maybe six years to kind of four or five years to kind of figure it out. Right. But right. then you, you, you start to know the people around the room, you start to gain their respect. And, and then as you, as you do it, the more, you know, you're involved, I think sometimes the easier it is to make changes and to improve things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the same thing with IEC. We've, we've been doing this for a long period of time now. Yes. Yes. And I think we, we've been more successful in, in making changes to improve the industry. Um, yeah, and sometimes, you know, you, you'll go to, and, and, and part of the great thing about some of these things, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. it, it's the people. The people are really yes. um, yeah. super people. Absolutely. They're really uh, interested in the electrical industry and bettering it. And, you know, you, you go to a meetings typically from 8 to 5, you, you get done, and then you, you sit around and you talk to people and, you know, ask them where they, you know, sometimes you'll ask people how they, how they think about certain issues and if it'll support you. And, and, and then, you know, you, when you, when you go to the meeting and, the, and your issue comes up, um, you know, you, you, you typically need two thirds of vote to get your issue passed. 
Um, and so sometimes, you know, like I said, um, people that, uh, you know, will vote against you for just because they're, they're told to, right. because maybe their industry, you know, they're trying to, and, and it's politics, everything, right. can be, maybe right. certain people might be trying to sell a product. And so you got to kind of, um, you know, you know, wage uh, yourself through, through that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, but, but more or less, you know, you, again, you're not going to get everything you like. But, you know, we, I think from IEC standpoint, we try to look at, you know, how do we improve the industry? Yep. How do we do things to maybe reduce costs for the contractors? How do we maybe um, take sections of the code that might be really confusing or contentious? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we get phone calls from people in other parts of the country that says, hey, this is really causing me heartburn yeah. um, when I try to install this. And, uh, you know, maybe the inspector's not really working with me because he's confused. Mm-hmm. And we try to, you know, work through some of those issues, yep. you know, find stuff that, uh, you know, we can improve the industry on and, and represent the open shop. That's that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, and and what, a, what a tremendous job that, that you've done and, and that others that, that have uh, volunteered their expertise on code-making panels have done through the years. Um, and it, it just continues to, to improve. It's, it's absolutely remarkable, Larry. Um, so, so 2004, and, and what's what's interesting is I'm thinking about um, as we're talking through this too, is that it, it does take a number of years to kind of get your sea legs about you because the you know as we all know then you know that the new code comes out on a three year cycle, and then this this uh, this consensual process of of breaking up into the 18 code panels um, happens over the course of that three years. So for somebody to to kind of get in, it's it's a long term commitment to um, get to the point where you you understand the entire process and you can you can really uh, be be effective at at um, you know illustrating that expertise, isn't it? It's it's really a long term piece. You've been in there a long time, oh, man. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And one and one of the guys that really was instrumental in getting all this going was Bob Wilkinson. Yes, out of the Houston, Houston yep. chapter, and yep. you know he kind of helps set the groundwork. And, 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 you know, I always talk to my, uh, you know, cohort, David Hittinger. Yeah. So we, you know, we've been doing this. And I think IEC has probably made just tremendous progress in the last 10 years yes. compared to the first 10. Yep. So we, you know, we are, we are really making great strides yep. I um, with what we're doing. Agree. Agreed. 100% and appreciate all, all your leadership to be able to then make that happen. And yeah, big, big hat tip to, to Bob, Bob Wilkinson who, who just stepped into retirement um, too with uh, late this year. Uh, but seeing that vision and seeing that, you know, the NEC, um, you know, is, is, is our, uh, our go-to um, throughout the country, no matter what uh, code cycle a, a jurisdiction might have adopted, it is, it is the, uh, you know, it is the same playbook that we're all, we're all following. So to be a, a part of that process, help to provide input and, and help to uh, guide things forward is, has been a, a critical part of our strategy, which, which um, I, yeah, we should all feel very proud to be a part of, I think. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's let's talk a little bit too about um, you know where where do you think things are are kind of going from here? Um, you know, with uh, technology has been um, just you know uh, um, growing by leaps and bounds uh, in, in our industry over the last you know ten fifteen years, and and continues to. Um, what are, are some of the things that, that you think that, um, that you can share that, that will be under, you know, uh, conversation and in, in the, the years ahead as we're looking towards the 2023, um, you know, with, within new technology or within new practices, um, you know, anything that you might be at liberty to be able to, to kind of foreshadow on, um, for folks looking at the future. 
Yeah, you know, I hope that I know I could probably talk forever on this. Uh, you yeah. know, I yeah. I think since taking over on the uh, the correlating committee yeah. uh, about a year ago, I've really um, I've learned a lot, and I, I'd say I you know I got my feet wet, and I feel a little more comfortable with uh, you know the role I'm doing now. You bet. And so you know when I when I started when I took this role, one of the things is I had three things that I was going to concentrate on. Mm-hmm. And um, one, uh, those three were medium voltage, mm-hmm. uh, renewable energy, and uh, limited energy. Mm-hmm. And so let's take the uh, let's take the last one first. So limited yeah. energy. What's kind of interesting is more and more things in this world are being uh, installed yes. in the low voltage arena. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of power over Ethernet. You know, yep. we're starting. We've been doing this for a while, but buildings are start to be built uh, with computer cable. Yeah. And so that was the first kind of, you know, com- com- computer, you know, transitioning that. You know, we power up phones with, right. with computer cables, right. and, and we're starting to do a lot of everything. We're doing cameras. Now we're kind of going to, like, power over Ethernet on steroids. Yes. And so now they have a, a, a new thing out called pulse energy transfer or mm-hmm. digital electricity. Mm-hmm. And this here, people are really, uh, I think they're a little nervous about it. Yeah. But um, this is where you, uh, you know, typically in a computer cable, you can only get about, you know, 100 watts out of a computer cable. Mm-hmm. If you go to this new method, you can get 2,000 watts. And mm-hmm. they've already started to install the stuff where you take um, voltages at 360 volts DC and you start yeah. to pulse it. Yeah. And you have a transmitter and receiver. And so if for some reason a person was to cut that cable mm-hmm. uh, in between the transmitter and receiver, yeah. all of a sudden all power stops. And this, huh. this, this could be a game, this could be a game changer. Yeah, uh, people are talking about, you know, starting to wire up refrigerators and things like that yeah. with computer cables. Wow. So, you know, huh. this will be really interesting to see how this develops yeah. over the next decade. Yes. So, yes. you know, part of the thing is, is that the back of the code was always developed for um, Ma Bell Mm-hmm. And, you know, people that came in your home and, and, and wired it, you know, the utility wired it. And so there's a lot of some issues in the back of the book. So we're going to try to correct those to make those more user-friendly. Yep. So that's, that's one of my goals is to, is to take care of that. Uh, renewable energy is another fascinating one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way, you know, so people, you know, contractors that are out in California and certain parts of the country uh, do a lot with this um, compared to other parts. But mm-hmm. that there is... Um, amazing that, you know, we, we are, you know, we're starting to get, you know, believe it or not, like Tesla cars. Yeah. A Tesla car is basically a big battery right. that's capable of 100,000 watts. Yep. And you think about this, uh, your home is capable of 5,000 watts, mm-hmm. basically, per hour. It takes about 5,000 watts to run your average 2,000-square-foot home. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, they're, they're, they're setting it up to where you could take your car, your Tesla, Plug it into your home, and if you lose your power, you're you good. might be able to power your home. You're good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, um, so these things are coming. Yeah, and uh, so it's it, it's it's fascinating. So we're always so there's a lot of work on renewable energy mm-hmm. and, and different forms of you know solar and yep. and wind power. So we're trying to m- improve that part of the book as well. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of these things I'm talking about are in the back of the book that yep. maybe people overlook. Yep. And the other thing we're trying to do is we're trying to improve the medium voltage. More and more contractors are doing medium voltage, mm-hmm. and you know uh, because of deregulation, mm-hmm. uh, you know the utility costs have kind of gone up over time, and so more more things are getting pushed back to the owner. 
And so the NEC has always been traditionally a a zero to a thousand volt book. Right, right. And so there there are some, there is some stuff for media voice. We're trying to improve that. And so those are the three things we're going to try to concentrate on, uh, you know, over my next um, you know eight years as as Quirling committee chair. So <laughs> it's an exciting time, I think. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of work and uh, a lot of heartburn, but I think it, it'll pay off in the end. A- absolutely, absolutely. But uh, exceptionally exciting. Um, everything that you're talking about is is you know everything from um, kind of the yeah the the POE on on steroids that you're talking about with pulse energy transfer and seeing where that um, is going to develop too because that's a, that's a huge game changer. That's that's absolutely oh, yeah. a huge game changer. Um, and, and then I like, yeah, your, your, um, your focus, uh, area on, on renewable energy and, and, um, you know, thinking about, yeah, thinking about uh, utilizing your, your, um, your battery backup on, uh, or your battery power in, in, uh, in your electric vehicle as being able to then power your home is, is, uh, kind of mind boggling. I'd, I'd never considered it that way, but, it, but, um, yeah, the, the possibility and, and, you know, the, everything works out <laughs> it's there um, oh yeah and, but you know but yeah, you think yeah. about it too, you think about today in today's world uh you know it used to be right yeah, uh, yeah. edison started out with the dc yes uh you know grid yes. and then he lost to westington westinghouse yes. right and westinghouse you know powered everything for years and now yeah, yeah. people are wondering if we're going backwards because right. basically everything in your home right is starting to be dc right you know your car's dc your solar's dc your right. TVs DC and people wonder like, well, maybe we need to go back to DC. So right. it, it's all kind of interesting. We're t- yeah, we're taking all these loads and, and yeah, inverting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, alternating current. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And and are you? Do you think too? So when you're talking about kind of building out the backside of you know, the book, especially around like you know renewable energy, is that like Article Six Ninety and around there, or you know where or all all points um, throughout? You're thinking is is where it's it's kind of going to be built up. Well, I, I think we're trying to improve the back section. You know, like okay. I, uh, you, you hit it nail on the head, like Article Six Ninety. Yeah. Um, we have we have things that sometimes we throw throw chapter throw articles in a book, and we okay. we kind of have to look at where we're putting them in there. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to fix uh, some of chapters six, seven, and eight yep. to make it more relevant and yep. to make it more user friendly. Yep. I think also too that the, our society has changed. Yeah. I know that just watching my kids and watching things. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to be, um, I'm just trying to be frank Und- about understood. it. Understood. Yeah. I think that people, I don't think people read, uh, as much as they used to. Yeah. I think people are, because of their iPhone and that, they're always looking for maybe, you know, the, the cliff note version, or right. how right. do I find something faster? Right. And so I, I, I think that, um, you know, and we, we also have, you know, a lot of, a shortage of electricians. Yes. So I think we need to, in my opinion, I know sometimes this is, um, sacrilegious to some people that are traditionalists, <laughs> but I think that we need to improve the code and we need to improve it so it's more user-friendly, it's easier to use, you bet. and, you know, so we, we keep the code relevant for yes. the years ahead. Yes, and yeah. um, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And it, well, and there's, there's a ton of benefit. I, I, I share your opinion within that, Larry, in, in which then, because we also deal with, and we could talk forever too, about interpretation of code and how then it's relayed mm-hmm. and enforced within um, jurisdictions across the country. So that if you start from a product, uh, the, the National Electoral Code that then has the utmost clarity um, to be able to then erase as much of that that uh, you know uh, opaque or gray area um, than there is, then that helps to then create um, you know assured assured uh, safety for individuals that that are, you know are are 
folks that are out there in the field installing, um, ensured then oversight from um, from inspectors that are, are coming through to then ensure that yeah, we're following the code um, as to what it is. So so what a what a what a yeoman's you know job to be able to then yeah push this thing forward and and to to help lead that charge, um, which which will leave a legacy for for years to come. You know within our country and our world. It's it's pretty remarkable. You know, you know? I, I hope so. And the other yeah. thing is, I think, too, that I think that what we're trying to do, at least I'm trying to do, is that, you know, as more and more things go towards this limited energy mm-hmm. type of framework, mm-hmm. what what I'm concerned about is, is that, you know, the whole electro industry is built upon inspectors inspecting stuff, yes, uh, electricians installing stuff. Yeah. And what happens is, is when we start to go towards that low voltage, uh, limited energy space, yeah. what happens is people people tend not to get inspections. They tend not to use electricians, mm-hmm. and they, they want to do it themselves. And right. so right. I think part of, part of the thing that I'd like to see is to, is to keep relevant, is to make sure that if we can make these areas of the code easier to use mm-hmm. and make sure they, the inspectors acknowledge them, then we can make sure this keeps maintaining the electrical, you know, contractor and things of that nature. So that's, yep. that's what I also look at is to make sure that the longevity is there. You bet. You bet. No, no, that, that I think resonates also with, with the rest of where our association is, is kind of viewed things within the limited, limited energy and low voltage world too. Um, our, our, um, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but our, our, uh, uh, National Apprenticeship and Training and on our education side has been um, developing a curriculum for a low voltage uh, limited energy program to be able to then help to you know provide that training in the same way that we've done that um, on the electrical apprentice side for uh, many decades and and help to then serve the industry and, and serve individuals so that they have the know-how and and the the solid understanding of of uh, all the ins and outs of of, uh, of our work. Um, we're, we're working to provide that then, and, and that'll be something that we'll be rolling out um, here later this, well, next year, I guess, 2021. Um, my brain's already in 2021, Larry. I think uh, <laughs> 2020 <laughs> is, has been a blur uh, for all of us and, and kind of like what happened. But anyway, yeah. I, I digress. I digress. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do for fun. What do you, what do, you do in your time off? What do, you, what, do you have any hobbies or you know spend time with family or what... Uh, or, or are you always are you always just working and, and kind of plugging away? Well, you know, I actually like um, uh, I'm somewhat of a geek, but I do yeah. like reading a lot. And yeah. I also uh, I spend a lot of time golfing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, me and my wife have uh, you know golf a lot, and nice. sometimes um, I like golfing with my uh, son. I got two kids. Yep, and um, one's in D.C. and then oh, the really? uh, oh. other one's going through nursing school. Oh, cool! So uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, an empty nester. So. Uh, I uh, really enjoy it, so I'm in a, in a little transition period. But gotcha. uh, you know, I think I think that transition periods helped me. So yeah. it's helped me to, you know, kind of dedicate myself a little bit more to, you know, helping out the electrical industry. So I have, you know, a, a little more time than I did maybe in the past. But uh, yeah, it's, so it's nice. And uh, you know, like I said I, I enjoy the golfing thing, and I also enjoy, uh, you know, going to uh, sporting events and, and, and watching college football. So. Fantastic. Who, who's uh, are you, yeah? Who's your 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 team? Are you a University of Cincinnati guy, or what do you what do you follow? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm a big Ohio State fan. Ohio so, State. Um, okay. So I right. follow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Buckeye. Yeah. yeah very so. good. Very good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, Larry, I I, uh, I know we could talk forever, and and I hope that we have the opportunity to be able to do that again. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you um, so much for everything that you're doing for our industry, every 
everything you're doing uh, to be supportive and, and to lead IEC. Um, and and yeah, it's just absolutely remarkable um, you know, to, to be able to capture some of your story today. Um, it's, it's truly inspiring. And um, I want to thank you for, for everything, my friend. Well, Spencer, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you putting this together. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very good. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners out there, too. Um, please check us out over at IECI.org. And if you're interested in career opportunities within the electrical and systems industry, you can jump over to MyElectricCareer.com to learn more and start on your path to achieve your dreams. A huge help to our great partners over at Sonapar for underwriting this podcast and helping make this possible. Sonapar is an independent family-owned company with global market leadership in B2B distribution of electrical products, solutions, and related services. You, sh- you can check them out at sonapar.com. We'll see you next time here at the IEC National Podcast, The Electrical Current.